When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Talking City, the Manchester City podcast for Manchester News. I'm Rich Fay. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Simon Bykowski. Hello. And Stuart Brennan. Hello there. Both of you chaps had the pleasure of watching City demolish Huddersfield on Sunday. It was a game refreshing to see, really, because last season City struggled against Huddersfield. It was the team that had the least amount of shots on target against. The only team that stopped them scoring at home last season. But City, back to business, 6-1 win. Emphatic, so. Yeah, it was um, it was a real change from watching that sort of pedestrian nil nil at the end of last season. I mean, City didn't really care too much then because they were collecting the trophy on that day. But it was um, it was certainly a very different City that um, came out and just trounced Huddersfield. I think Huddersfield weren't quite as as organised as they have been, but it was still. There were signs in, in that City performance that made you think that they will give a lot of teams a lot of trouble again this season. And uh, particularly Benjamin Mendy was tremendous down that left wing. I think that I think that's what made the, the biggest difference. I yeah. mean, obviously, as, as you say, City weren't that bothered in the nil-nil. But the, the away game Huddersfield last season as well, uh, they found it quite difficult to break Huddersfield down and only won it in the last minute. Um, but... I think we've seen from Mendy that he's a, a very potent weapon in terms of mm. those home games that, that are tough, you know, where he just edges them. He he's somebody like Sterling. Sterling Sterling causes problems because he runs at people. Mendy, those little surges, he was one in particular that, that, that led to Gabriel Jesus's goal, uh, where he picked it up in his own half and just set off. And uh, he had defenders scattering in his wake and that kind of thing. No matter how organised you are, it's very difficult to defend against that. And when you've got players like Jesus and Aguero who can feed off that kind of stuff, it's uh, it's, it's a huge, huge weapon to have in your armoury. And uh, Mendy's making a difference already. You know, we, I saw a City fan tweeted just before we came in to do this podcast saying uh, Mendy was immense yesterday. Imagine what we could have been like if we'd had him last season. Yeah. <laughs> well, how much better you want it, really? You know? Yeah. But, but you, you know what he means. You know, you kind of think... What if, yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, he's got five assists in two games. Kevin De Bruyne won Playmaker of the Year because he got 16 in the entire season. Mm. This guy's a, nearly a third of the way to what, what De Bruyne got after two games. Um the only the only slight concern you've got, and I think you you, you did Pep, didn't you? Did, did he mention yes. that um, uh, going forward? Can, can he keep that going? You know, because he's up and down like that. The um, intensity. Uh, it, the classic thing happened where you whereby you invite Pep to shower praise on a player, and he uh, straight bats it and turns it back <laughs> on on you. Um, and his, his point was that. Mendy looks brilliant playing as he is now, but when they get to three games a week, will he have the legs to go up and down um, for for every game? I, I don't necessarily see that as a problem. Just play Delph or play someone else mm-hmm. for one of those games a week. Oh, you can you, you 
put him in a four and tell him just to defend, you know. Yeah. Put Sane in. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's um, same effect. But I think you know they'll be delighted, even if they won't say it publicly, with how Mendy has played because certainly we saw him out in Miami when he came out to join up with the squad in pre-season early, but he did not um, play in that game against Bayern Munich in Miami and it was expected that it'll, it'll take some time for him to get back up to speed um, and you know if we're not seeing his best then if five assists in two games isn't his best then it's frightening again, yeah it? yeah it, he just looks terrific we saw last season with the left back choices we always said that when they played a, a team with the tap they would play Delph or maybe Danilo at the back and if you're on the front foot you play Zinchenko because you know don't have to have any defensive duties. Do you think there's still some questions over Mendy as an actual out-and-out defender? We saw in that Liverpool game last year that City won 5-0. He was torn inside out at times by Mo Salah, but they got away with it. There's red cards, City were on top. Do you think there's still... Perhaps, perhaps. Um, I think Laporte will help him a lot. I think Laporte has been very good um, these first few games of the season and he's left-footed and yeah. can naturally help out and he's a, def- a defender that will... You know, do the dirty work. So he might be able to to help Mendy out, and then you've also got Fernandinho scuttling back. Yeah, I mean Salah, Salah did give him a lot of problems. Um, yeah, Otamendi was just inside him yeah. in that game, yeah. wasn't he? And, and Salah sort of ripped Otamendi in, in the first half at, at the Etihad. Um, but you know, there are there are doubts over his defensive capacity. It was interesting. I think on Match of the Day last night, Danny Murphy mm. was saying that um, he thought he was very good one-on-one. And when, when you've got the kind of pace that he's got and the kind of strength that he's got, you should be. So perhaps that... I mean, that is one thing. Pep has already said he's not, no, by no means a finished article. I think that is what they would be keenest to, to work on. You know, I think going forwards, he's, he's got the lot. and You know, he, he is pretty much a finished article. But defensively, in terms of his positioning... Uh, which Salah exposed. I think he was too wide sometimes. He needed he needed to be tucking in. You know, it's all very well having him as an attacking uh, an attacking asset, but he sometimes need if you've got a player on the opposition like Salah, world class striker who's coming down that side, you need to be a little bit more defensive minded, and then perhaps leave Kyle Walker to go forward on the other side. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, but I'm sure that balance will come uh, when it does come. If he adds to his defensive game, he's uh, He's going to be, he's going to be immense. I mean, he's probably already world class. I think it's fair to say, but he's uh, he could get even better. One of the things on the Amazon documentary, which we will come on to a bit later, was that with their, uh, you know, every club has a list of players that they look at when they try to improve the squad, and they said Mendy was top of the list, but by some distance. Mm You know, he was by far and away their primary target, and makes you fascinated who second on the list was. It? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the poor man's second. But as good as Mendy was, can we also talk about the fact that um, Pep played without a right back? Yeah, we were going to get onto this. For... The, the formation. I'm still not sure we quite know what he played. Um, they kind of. <laughs> Well, they were still on the front foot. They didn't have to do any defending. But when the team sheet came in, we were all perplexed. So you said the winner gets a speedboat if they guess who the right back is. I think that speedboat is still up for grabs, isn't it? Because no one's <laughs> quite sure. They had yeah, yeah. The poor company and Stones, the central defenders that were named on the team sheet, and Mendy. To begin with, it was Stones at the right. But what, what did you make of the formation that he played? 
Well, I, th- I think the problem we've got is that we look at football conventionally. We look at, you know, we, we were all sitting in the press room. Is this a 3-5-2? Somebody, somebody said it was a 3-2-3-2, three, two, three, two, which is overcomplicating it in my book. Uh, or is it a 4-4-2 four, four, with stones at right back? And we're, think- we're thinking in conventional football terms. And Guardiola doesn't do that. Guardiola has his own way of looking at things. Um, I, I mean, if, if you need to put a... A telephone number on it, as Manuel Pellegrini should be very dismissive of these things, saying it was all telephone numbers. Um, but if you, if you need to put a, a formation on it, I suppose it was a three-five-two, and Bernardo Silva was playing on that side. But but in a game like that, where City know they're going to have all the possession, they're going to be playing in the opposition half for most of the game. It doesn't matter that your wing back is Bernardo Silva because he doesn't have any defending to do. You know, it's like we talk. We were talking then about Mendy's defending. He didn't have any. He didn't have any defending to do. He was on the front foot all the time, and so was Bernardo. So you can play somebody in that position without having to worry about the fact that he can't defend because he doesn't have to do. Like we said with Zinchenko, it's, it's the same thing. You know, I mean, if he was playing Liverpool, he wouldn't play that formation. That's for absolutely sure. You know, but he'll get away with it. He'll get away with it in games like that. Must have been, uh, you know, Paul Kyle Walker taking his place on the bench thinking, you know I'm number one right back sorry Carl we don't even need a right back anymore he must be thinking how many assists he'd have this season as well if you see Mendy getting all the yeah. ones, taking his credit because he was so good against Arsenal as well on opening mm. day Walker and it's crazy I guess we're going to get on to team selection as well two games in a row no Sane I know one of my friends who has him in his fantasy team is very aggrieved <laughs> by that but what do you make of it I mean it is just depth and quality isn't it the fact you can drop Sterling Mares, Sane I think so yeah um, I think the fact that he's got wing backs fit means that they will. He wants to try them out wide, and that means that the forward players get in the middle. You know what Guardiola wants from all his forwards is to be able to work in tight spaces in the box, and now he's got two full backs who can ping balls into the box at will, and then it's on to the forwards to to find that space. So you know, Sane isn't naturally. A centre forward, um, in that sense, he's much more of a winger. So maybe, you know, as long as Mendy's having success out on that wing, Sane's not going to be used in tandem with him. Maybe, but it's um, but as we've alluded to, Mendy won't play every game. Yeah, this this happened last season. Uh, start of the season, Mendy was in the team. Sane wasn't. Now that was partly for the reason that Simon said. You know, that Mendy was the man providing all the width on the left. You didn't need Sane. Um, but also because Pep wasn't entirely happy with his preparation. He felt that he perhaps, as young players can often do, he had, he had a great second half of the season, his debut season, and then perhaps took his foot off the gas a little bit and went into the new season not 100%, and Pep wasn't happy with him and was putting him on the bench. And we saw what happened. Uh, we were at West Brom in, in the League Cup game where he played and he was absolutely dynamite. So Sane's response was, I'm going to show you. So very quickly, Guardiola's realised that if you want to get the best out of this lad, you give him a give him a slap, give him a put down, and he'll rise back to the challenge. And I think that's... When he came on, we saw it. You know, he came on yesterday, and the first thing he did was a nice little link-up with Jesus, wasn't it? And, and then absolutely murdered the full-back, and, and that led to the sixth goal. So I, I think Sane is one of those players who responds well to to being left out and responds well to a little bit of criticism from the manager. So that's all that all plays into this. Um 
but it will be, you know, to me, I, I, again, I'm old fashioned and I love the idea of an attacking left back and a left winger like Sane linking up together. Mm. You know, I, I th- we saw it on the other side at Arsenal with Kyle Walker and uh, and Mares. You know, they complement each other, and I, I hope we we see more of them together. Um, but again, it's all about options for Pep, and he's got he's got a million of them. Yeah, it seems crazy. We're 15 minutes into the podcast, not we mentioned Sergio Aguero yet. Another hat trick for him, <laughs> made it look so easy. And his partnership again with Jesus again, like you said, last season, start of last season, we saw that sort of emerge. That game against Watford away, particularly springs to mind. But fantastic to see those two scoring. Every season, there's always questions: Can Aguero do it again? On his day, he's the best striker in the Premier League still, probably, isn't he? He looks very, very sharp. He looks very good. Um, he's earning more Chris, more praise sorry, <laughs> from the manager than he perhaps has had in the past. He had this knee surgery around March um, and it seems to have, have done the trick and really made him sort of fitter than he has been in a long time. Uh, and yeah, there's always the Aguero or Jesus question, but why not have both? And as long as he's playing like that, he's going to be hard to shift from the team. He was just a masterclass to watch from him yesterday. Yeah, I think people forget that last season, when those two were in tandem uh, early in the season, um, City possibly played the best football. They were slaughtering teams. They went to mm-hmm. Watford and won six nil. They beat Feyenoord four nil away. They beat Liverpool five nil, and that was that was with those two in the yeah. team. Um, it sort of blew away this myth that the two of them couldn't play together, and they're looking for each other all the time. I mean, it wasn't immediately obvious uh, <clears throat> against Huddersfield, um, but then in the, by the time we got to the second half, you know, you had, you had Aguero playing the little one twos. Of Jesus creating opportunities, mm-hmm. and Jesus is really good at that. You know, mm-hmm. like holding off a centre half and just just laying off a perfect ball. Um, and Aguero's become an awful lot better at it as well. So you know, they're both creating opportunities for each other, and it's uh, it's an absolute nightmare, especially when you've got every, all the other options running at you. You know, if you're a defender, and you've got those two busying themselves around the edge of the box. You've got Mendy storming on. Uh, you've got Bernardo Silva and David Silva with all the trickery and the invention. It's just coming at you from all angles, and it's you know, I I was a Sunday League defender, and uh, the thought of it would it'd be enough to give you a nightmare. Really. I think you could do a job with him. No, I'll give him. Yeah, <laughs> can't do worse than some of the Huddersfield defenders. Can <laughs> yeah, but you can't kick him, can you? That's no, no, no. <laughs> Important for Jesus to score as well. Yeah, he's had um, a lot of love from City since he came back yeah. from a World Cup where he had a lot of criticism. Uh, for people not... say he scores tappings, don't they? So it was nice for him to score a left footer outside the box. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I just think, you know, City have shown such faith in him that he's got this new contract now and it, you could tell the goal meant a lot to him. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's been left out of the, the Brazil squad for the upcoming games, but... I don't think don't read too much into that he started at the World Cup in every game obviously. no so. no that won't bother him so it's um... I think Brazil have already told him that he he's nothing to worry about on that score they just want to try out a couple of young lads it's a couple of low key friendlies so they're not not over fussed yeah which kind of works out perfectly because he stays in Manchester and stays yeah. in, in a happy place and uh, won't be jet lagged won't have to worry about getting a necessary knock or anything yeah, duty. yeah. suits City really well especially if you want to play two up top exactly and I think you 
if you want to support Jesus in your fancy team, I don't think you've got to suffer seal, from it. You've got the seal of approval. <laughs> but take, don't take Aguero out. No, that's fine. But one player <laughs> we've got to talk about as well, uh, David Silva. Yesterday was made for him, really. It was beautiful to see uh, Matteo Jean on the pitch before kick-off. Real sentimental moment. It really hit home what really matters in life, doesn't it? Beating Huddersfield 6-1 is always nice, but... Yeah, <laughs> you can beat Huddersfield 6-1 any time. Yeah, but. exactly. But yeah, it was a beautiful moment and it was a sort of perfect springboard for the for the whole day, really, for City fans, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really nice. Really nice moment um, and a nice reminder of what David Silva's still capable of on the pitch. A lot of questions in the week saying how do the City respond without De Bruyne and uh, Silva's not going to be there every game but when he plays he is still at the peak of his of his powers especially against um, you know a team that are going to give you a lot of the ball I think I mean going back to the all I'm documentary there's, there's a nice scene in that when David's when it's just happened to David mm-hmm. Silver when his son's just been born yeah. and he's fighting for his life and Silver has flown to Valencia to be at the bedside and uh, Guardiola's giving a team talk and he's saying to the players, today you go out there and you win this game for David Silva. Now, you could argue that it's quite cynical, really. It's just a way, you know, using it as a weapon. But it isn't. It's just, you know, because he's quite an emotional man. He's a father himself and anyone who's got kids would would understand it from, from that point of view. Uh, and he, he meant it. He meant, you know... You've got a teammate who's suffering. Uh, anything we can do to help him, we will do. And if that means winning a football match, you go out and do it. Go out and win it for David Silva. And you can see the, the look on the players' faces. There's no way they were gonna they were gonna do anything else but win that game. So you know, this is kind of the end point now. This is this is like what eight months on, and, the, and thankfully the baby's doing well, and he's there there at the game with his dad, and, and it's just like a massively happy moment. Uh, and I think. I think all the happiness that was going on against Huddersfield with six goals going in, Silva playing brilliantly, Aguero, Mendy, everyone else having a fantastic game, and then contrasting with the scenes down at Brighton, it, you know, it just, it, it, it's, it's, it's like a, an optimum moment for a City fan. You know, all the years that they've had, a, they've had a, the, the other side of that coin, and, and now this is that was a day when when absolutely everything came home to roost. And the two contrasts between the two sides of Manchester at the moment as well. Um, another <clears> moment from the game yesterday that went a bit unnoticed, but superb. Edison's assist for Aguero. Uh, his value must have shot up this summer again. With Chelsea and Liverpool both be, uh, breaking their club records for goalkeepers. And Yeah, it seemed, you know, last summer City spent a lot of money on defenders and goalkeepers and got ridiculed, for it. Got ridiculed and got said that they were, you know ruining football and this summer everyone else seems to be spending a lot of money on goalkeepers and defenders and it's like they've they've worked out that yeah he might do yeah um i mean edison they thought he was really good value when they bought him and he looks incredibly good value now i mean the fact that they've signed him up till 2023 already shows what what they think about him, but yeah, that that goal kick is a weapon. Other Premier League managers have spoken about just what what it means, what how they have to prepare because you know you can't fully attack City because you know that that's always at the back. You know, Aguero or Jesus are at the back waiting to um, to pounce on that goal kick because it's not just the distance; it's the aim. It's 
he's just he can put it on a sixpence basically and it's just something that we've not seen before in the league yeah, the first and, and yeah I went down to the tunnel uh, afterwards I, I go and stand around with the, the radio lads uh, when they're getting their interviews and I managed to throw a question or two myself in and the first thing that one of the radio journalists said to me was isn't it ironic that for all the great football City play that they open the scoring with a route one goal <laughs> and I, I said that is that is heresy that yeah. is not a route one goal that was a brilliant long pass if Glenn Hoddle had hit that pass we'd all have been raving about it you know it was a, just a fantastic and it was also it was a training ground we saw it last season yeah. uh, Everton is, is the one that springs to mind with me where you, you saw Sane make a similar run yeah. from left towards the centre spot and Edison picked him out he sent De Bruyne away with yeah. a great pass down the right yeah. and De Bruyne across for Jesus to score it, it was the same thing they worked on this they, they, you know, they've obviously looked I think they've, they've analysed it that, that Uddersfield do get far forward if they do commit people forward if they've got an attack on yeah. so you're always going to be open to that kind of thing just as Everton were last season so it, it's beautiful in terms of Guardiola and his team his video analysis team and his coaches uh, assessing where where there are weaknesses and it's beautiful in the execution as well the players having the mouse to instantly think about it and, and to sort of for Edison to think this is on and for Aguero to know it's on and yeah. it all all to come together it's a beautiful goal yeah. it is a beautiful goal and for, for I said to the radio report you, this is why radio reporters <laughs> are not real journalists <laughs> just all sound bites you know, absolutely no <laughs> what, what a finish as well by Aguero yes, because, yes. Uh, he makes them look so easy every one of his yeah. goals I mean the flick as well the one from the cross which he flicked him for the hat-trick goal especially yeah. when Sane is warming up to take his place on the pitch with the last touch of the game really yes, and again as yeah. we saw in that all nothing documentary he keeps every match ball when he scores a hat-trick or more so he's got a Another one for the collection as well, which is nice. Yeah. But uh, we alluded to it earlier. Kevin De Who City didn't miss him at all, did they, against Huddersfield? But can they cope three months without him? I think, you know, he gives things to the team that no other player does. Um, his sort of, his range of passing and his ability to sort of either thread or force the ball through um, seemingly impossible yeah. angles and those tight games as well we think back to Chelsea last year he was yeah. the great for all those City were on top it was actually his sort of design and his drive and run and, and yeah. finish but I mean you would also say that he wasn't City's best player from January onwards I think he was the best player over the course of the season because yeah. he was so phenomenal in those opening few months but um you know there is there is time and there is space for another player. Bernardo Silva looks excellent so far to step up in these opening months of the season. Big, big loss, De Bruyne, but it shouldn't really affect. Yeah, it might chances. Just, might just be similar to last season, as you said. Uh, what could they have done with Mendy? It might just be looking back saying City were great this season. What would they have done with an extra three months of De Bruyne? What would they do with them? But yeah, yeah. But and you look at the fixture list, and it's not. As drastic as it as it could have been, you know the fact that um, <clears throat> if he's out for three months, he'll miss the Liverpool game, he'll miss Spurs, he'll probably miss United. Yeah. Um, but I, I start wondering. I don't know if it's me being optimistic, but I start wondering whether he will be out for three months because I get the feeling now that clubs and certainly City are overestimating. Mm. Because if you say two months, and then when the two months is up, 
the manager gets badgered all the time. When's Kevin De Bruyne back? He's not back yet. He's over scheduled. There's something gone wrong. There's something. Mm. So I think I think the clubs clubs quite often will say three months when they mean two to two and a half. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, and, and I think this this is what was coming out of the Bruyne's camp as well. Yeah. That it wouldn't be. It might be two months. Yeah. Two two to three months, but two months is, and given the kind of dedication that you know with which De Bruyne does everything, you know he'll he'll be. He won't be doing any stinting. He won't be, uh, you know, taking any chances. He'll be doing everything absolutely professionally and correctly. It wouldn't be a massive surprise if he's back within that three month time span. Um, and if that's the case, well, you know, the fixtures that he misses are all games that that, that they can win without. Him. They can win any game without him, to be honest. Yeah. This team, but you'd rather have him, wouldn't you? And I, I think that by the time De Bruyne comes back. Uh, fresh and ready to go again. The uh, city could could be could be making the pace at the top of the Premier League and already and already sort of well on the way to qualification in the Champions League as well. Yeah, I guess it, the games he missed as well it could depend on who City get in the Champions League. Where the draws coming up in a, a week and a half or so now. Um, Huddersfield done with the all or nothing Premier last week. You two, the celebrities on the blue carpet. Absolutely, it's yeah. Pleasure to have you both here. How did you find the Premier? Yeah, it was. Uh... It was very good. It was um, all the squad were there and the manager was there. It was nice. I thought that De Bruyne went hobbling down on his crutches. It sort of, you know, the whole season was built on the ethos of the squad being together and one. And uh, to see De Bruyne sort of captaining them them down the blue carpet and you know still being a, a part of the squad even though he'd suffered the injury on that day. Um, I thought it was nice to see and then yeah the documentary is a must watch for, for any City fan yeah I'd, I'd argue uh, beyond City fans because uh, I think it's a, it's a fascinating glimpse I mean what what really struck me I, I mean I've watched I've not watched the whole thing as yet but I've watched uh, up to episode 4 um, what struck me is, is just what a natural Pep Guardiola is in front of the cameras yeah uh, I think I wrote a piece saying that he's like a Shakespearean leading man. You know, he's sort of strutting about, he's he's exclaiming, he's he's squatting down to make a point. He's, you know, he's, his facial gestures, his hand gestures. He's, he, you would think this guy's doing this for the cameras. If you didn't know that he is like that, we know he's like that. We see him on the touchline like that, and you know, he's definitely not putting this on. This this is just the way he is. You know, it's he's, he's like his passion for the game, his passion for his principles and everything is just coursing through his veins and, and turning him into this. Uh, sometimes it's quite ludicrous. Mm. He, he looks, he looks, he looks bizarre uh, doing what he's doing, <laughs> but it works. And you can see that his players most of the time are, are enraptured by it. Uh, I've seen a lot of play football dressing rooms down the years, and half the time the players look bored or they look like they're. Uh, Sort of sniggering a little bit under the breath, of, you know, when a manager starts off on one. Um, but you don't really get that impression. You get the impression that they're all sort of tuned into what he's saying, and they're all. Uh, also, there's one nice telling moment. I think it was in the first one where um, where he says he says he sort of lets his guard down a little bit and says, "You've always got to have the answers. If I don't have the answer, pretty you much, you've got to pretend you do." <laughs> you think what well, you're telling them now? You know, you are giving away your secret here. But it's, it's it's quite a nice moment in that you know that is that is what you have to do if you're uh, 
if you're a man in his stature, you can't be seen to, to have flaws, you can't be seen to have weaknesses. And uh, So there, there are lots of little moments like that in it, I think, that, uh, that are quite quite revealing and, and very interesting. Especially with the team celebrations, though, you see, I think, episode two, after they've just beaten Chelsea away, when the whole team celebrates after the game, singing the Kevin De Bruyne chant. Mm-hmm. But Pep goes around each player high five, and then he goes Raheem Sterling, a special cuddle as well. Yeah. It's just that sort of fathership that he gives the players, and it's, again, that camaraderie within the City team that probably separates them from any of the signers, probably, because you, you know that every single player, every member of staff, all wants the best for that team. Yeah, well, the, I mean, the camaraderie and the, the squad and the fact that they're quite good at football does help, but as the documentary points to, there is a lot from Pep that is is driving it all. And I think, you know, the dressing room access is, is really the the great thing about the documentary. The, the player interviews about Pep or about the team aren't anything that nobody's heard before. It's, um, you know, quite standard stuff, but the the access to Pep, because you are seeing one of the greatest managers in in world football seeing exactly what what drives him or you're seeing you know a portrayal of what drives him you might not be seeing the full picture but you are seeing you know live scenes of him with the players uh, you know he, he's not going to have been doing everything for the cameras no. a lot of it is is genuine like Stu says sometimes it's mad and you think how does that succeed and and maybe the only way it succeeds is through winning. But it's that confidence, you know, he m- might not feel confident, but acts confident and then the team feels confident. And, you know, if you, if you want to look at exactly how Pep Guardiola is successful and why he has been and continues to be so successful, it's um, it's really eye-opening as to, as to what he's so good at. It's quite interesting as well that uh, part of it, Guardiola says to his players, I mean, this, this bit has become quite quite commonly known, but he says that, you know, I'll defend you, I'll defend you in the press conference. Yeah. To, to my dying day, I will defend you in the press conference. <coughs> but I'm going to tell you right here the truth kind of thing. And play, players like that, you know, players like that... It, it, it's it's honest in that you know he's he's not stinting he's not holding back if he thinks they need a, a shouting out give him a shouting out but he's not going to go out in the press conference and do it. It's a stark contrast to Jose Mourinho, you know. And what yeah. Seen? And this is part of the reason that United are in a in a bit of a quandary, aren't they? Because because Mourinho seems to have spent the last six weeks uh, with, with leaks coming out about his rows with players. You know, having a go at his players in press conferences, having a go at the board in press conferences, and you, you kind of think the contrast couldn't be any greater. And I just wonder whether it, I mean, it probably is coincidence, but we saw Mourinho this weekend uh, after they'd lost at Brighton saying, um, well, last season, yeah. whenever I had a go at my players or anybody, uh, everybody threw it back at me. So I'm going to stop doing that now. And you think, well, Oh, Guardiola's been teaching you this for years. Have you, have you learned nothing kind of thing from a, from a better manager? But um, you also have, you know, him telling his players as well about the records when they start getting close to, yeah. to, the, to you know, breaking these records. He's mentioning it to the players and we must have sat in dozens of press conferences, hundreds of questions you know, what about this record? What about this record? And everyone was saying, no, no, I'm not in football for records. No. 
So, you know, he's telling us one thing, he's telling the players another. You might think something completely different, but it's perfect management of the media and fans, perfect management of his players. So, you know, his, his personal views maybe don't, don't need to matter because he's, um, he's managing to spin all plates successfully. Mm-hmm. I guess while we're on all I think the last sort of discussion, we'll, we'll avoid the Mourinho you can't buy class comments from that because, <laughs> so you don't need to worry about that but uh, there's, there was some sort of fallout to the documentary saying have City given too many of their secrets away other opposition managers might know how to get at City how to maybe even influence their own team in a similar manner but surely no one can match City even if you know the secrets well, I asked Pat that in the press conference on Friday I said do you feel that you've, you've perhaps given away too much and he basically said that no two games are the same you know going forward we're going to have different players play, playing against different opposition uh, you know the ne- next time United play Spurs it'll be a different United uh, diff- sorry next time City <laughs> play Spurs oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> we'll be, I've had a lot of sleep we'll, we'll beef it out um, <laughs> yeah next time City play Spurs it'll be uh, a different City team it'll be a different Spurs team they'll have different and we saw it at the weekend you know the, we saw that against Huddersfield, which is the first first test of it since since people started worrying that that secrets may have been given away. It comes up with a team that David Wagner will have been sitting there looking at, think as we were thinking, <laughs> hold on a minute, how does this how's this going to line out? So any work that they've done during the week, and if if he sat up all night watching the uh, the All or Nothing documentary, will have learnt nothing at all <laughs> about what Pep Guardiola was going to do on that Sunday, and he'll learn nothing at all about uh, about anything really to do with City. So, you know, I, I, I think it was an honest answer from him that we haven't really given anything away. And in terms of the motivation techniques and all that kind of thing, you kind of think, well, you shouldn't be a manager of a top club if you don't know how to motivate your players anyway. Yeah. Or you shouldn't have those players if they don't motivate themselves. I think the biggest tactical bombshell from the documentary was that uh, he outlined, I think, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane and... Roberto Firmino as uh, Liverpool's main main threat. Yeah, I think that was that, uh, was, the that was a big one. Yeah, he said you need to watch what those three are doing. Uh, um, any man in the pub would have told you yeah. any weekend last yeah, season. That was, it was amazing. That he was, he was like, like, like the blokes at the bar who knows wasn't it? Oh, you'll have to watch those three. Like Salah lads, good, good players. Yeah. Those. and the other guys go, yeah. <laughs> Come on, everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think there might have been a bit more in-depth discussion of them that Harry wasn't. Harry Maguire's slow. We learned that as well, didn't we? Harry Maguire's slow, <laughs> yes. And we saw then Kevin De Bruyne scored a beautiful goal away at Leicester. And I guess it's one of those, even if you read the blueprints, you've got to be able to then make it yourself, haven't you? Just because well, they lay out the instructions for your other managers doesn't mean you can go and ma- manipulate it yourself. Yeah, you? I mean, he Guardiola has always said, you know, don't copy me because I'm successful. Yeah. You know, by all means, take things from him. But if if someone is trying to, you know, if someone is trying to take, use that documentary to mount a title challenge in 2018-19, then City have already moved on. And City have been planning this title challenge for, before Pep yeah. was even yeah, appointed. Yeah. They'd already started making the right signs in the right areas. Yeah. Just because someone's top of the class doesn't mean you have to just copy all their work, does it? Exactly. So, uh, you know, I'm... I, th- I think um, they may be copied in the sense that other clubs may now look into doing this kind of documentary because mm. I think it's, you know, 
these clubs are always looking for global global expansion and winning more fans and if only United were doing it this season if only <laughs> yes they already have some gold but you know this this documentary will win City a lot of fans um, all over the world and it's shot very well but shot in a way that portrays City in a very good light I mean it's hard not to be in a good light when you've had the season they've had yeah. but you know they do come out of it and Guardiola comes out of it very very well so I wouldn't be surprised if other clubs were looking at uh, something similar. They're so lucky because it was such an extraordinary season. Yeah. Where almost everything went right. I mean, yeah. there was a couple of injuries. There was a couple of little little rows here and there. Uh, perhaps perhaps the, the biggest row of the lot was the, 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 the tunnel bust up at Old Trafford. And they had no access to that. So yeah. that, that doesn't even make an appearance. It doesn't even get mentioned <laughs> in, in the thing. So, you know... It, on the basis of it, you'd think, well, it looks like propaganda. But that's probably because there was so little bad stuff going on, uh, you know, that, and, and it was such a, a good news story yeah. that, that it's, it's difficult to portray it any other way, you know. And if they had a sort of really dwelt on like, little moments, maybe, where there was friction between the manager and, and, yeah. a, and a player here, here and there... Or, or things going wrong. If they'd have dwelt on those, it would have looked. It would have looked a little bit. Would have been out, out of proportion. Yeah, yeah, it season. would have been. They'd have been. They'd have been picking picking at nits really, rather than sort of showing what 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 the real theme of the season was. And it, yeah. it was a triumphant season. Yeah, and it comes across in, in a triumphant documentary. And, yeah. you know, it's not really propaganda. It's just the truth. I guess we said saying that before we even went on air. My Welsh bitterness was taken over, saying it was a bit too feel good for me. But <laughs> yeah, nothing yeah. went wrong last season, really. Did it? So yeah, there was not a lot of feel bad. No, around, you can't yeah. make matters out of molehills and no. exaggerate the truth. It's no. just what happened, whether you like it or not. And City will go again, trying to regain and retain their Premier League title this season. Wolves away on the weekend. Are you two looking mm-hmm. forward to that one? Very much so. Very uh, excited to see the George Mendes team in this Wolves team at Molyneux. Um, they certainly. Drew a lot of attention last season. And they caused City problems last season as well, didn't they? And there was a change City side. In yeah, that they did. Change Wolves side yeah. as well. Um, yeah, they did really well. And it is, you know, any team that wins a championship deserves a lot of respect. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking for. I, I like Molyneux, one of the you know one of the old grounds, and Wolves should be in the Premier League, and it's quite an exciting team. Um, and like you say, they, they, they gave City problems last season because they went for it, you know. And I was talking to one of the lads from uh, from the Wolves media team this morning, and uh, I said, you know, there, there, there weren't many Premier League teams that gave City as many problems at the Etihad as, as Wolves did because it was a cup game, I suppose, and they sort of thought, well, we yeah. can't come away with a point. Well, um, you know, we might as well yeah. go and have a go, nothing to lose, kind of thing. Whether they'll have the same approach, I suspect they probably will. Um, given the players they've got, but it's going to be interesting. I think it could, could be a really good game, and I think it'll be. I mean, I hesitate to say this, but I think it'll be of the three games that they've had so far. I think it might well be City's sternest test. That is a strong no disrespect always, to Arsenal. <laughs> always good to end on some pessimism, isn't it, on the City podcast? But yes. yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, and again, it'll be another real test of City's credentials against these maybe small teams we saw Manchester United struggle. A fall against Brighton that'll be another carrot for, United, for City to go out and of course open up a, maybe a gap at the top of the table as well yeah and that is 
you know, as much as the pressure is on City to win the league, the pressure is on everyone else to is on everyone else to try and catch a City team that dropped just fourteen points last season. And so, for every rival that can drop points before City, it's a huge advantage um, for City. And seeing United drop points, well, right, they're already three points behind. How are they going to make that up? And Arsenal have obviously lost lost two already um, but yeah I think that's what City will be looking out for um, as much as anything to see if their rivals do do drop points because the, the more they outstay then uh, the better it looks for them and of course City are already two points better off than they were at this stage last season so well on course to beat that 100 point <laughs> mark aren't they so this is, this, this is it this is it you know don't get too greedy <laughs> no no it's, it's, it's early days but they've, they've, you know they've scored eight goals after two games as well I know the one that conceded was against the run of play really it was a lapse from yeah, a long throw wasn't yeah. it but in, in past years though they'd, they'd lose Wolves away yeah like before Guardiola even Guardiola's first season you'd say at times yeah, like, yeah. Stuck, I remember but... Cardiff away a few years ago they lost with uh, Pellegrini it's one of those ones that it's awkward promoted teams always have a feel good factor at the start and, and are used to winning Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always tricky. So it'll be a be a significant win if they can get it. Yeah, we shall see. You, I hope you'll both be back next week to join me. No. Okay. Sue, please. Oh, well, I'll do my best. Mate. <laughs> it's not that far to Wolverhampton. It? <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't well, the last si- time I went. Sai's already ruled himself out of the yeah. second podcast of the season, but that's fine. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Rich. I hope you uh, enjoy the final four episodes of All or Nothing, Stu. I don't want to f- ruin the end for you, but. It's fascinating. It could be a real cliffhanger, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for listening to Talking City today. Make sure to subscribe on Acast for all the latest episodes.